Good morning, afternoon and evening kids. I'm Jay, I'm with my best mate Jazz, and we're here to bring you our inaugural first episode of Rock City, a podcast which is going to examine and detail and romanticise about the one and only Melbourne Rock City. Uh, it's a place obviously that we've both grown up in, very vibrant music scene. We've both been heavily involved in the music industry. We've worked in record stores. We've been at the forefront, at the front of mosh pits, at the back of venues. <laughs> and we still continue <laughs> to do it to this day. So this is what Rock City is going to be about. I hope you really dig it. Um, and the purpose of this, the, the podcast is for us to share our experiences and for you guys to hear firsthand about what it was like growing up in the incredibly fruitful music period, which was the early 90s, which was the era that we sort of first uh, got introduced to what is an incredible music scene, the record stores, the gigs, the shows, and the albums that shaped who we are Mm. to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also our little um, testament to this town, which has actually shaped us into the human beings that we are. And we've actually, unfortunately, seen a lot of change in in Melbourne in terms of venues closing, a change in the music industry. And we really felt that it was time for us to to document our experiences in in the hope that somebody will listen back to it and learn from it. And hopefully we can see these vibrant times again. So we thought we'd start off by giving you a little bit of an introduction into who we are and what qualifies us to be people to be talking to you about the Melbourne music scene. Now, as Jason said, we've both worked, participated in and witnessed uh, as much as possible in the, in the music scene. We've both worked at, at record stores, which uh, we won't go into today. Uh, we've part, been in bands, both successful and extremely unsuccessful, <laughs> and we've seen as many gigs as possible some we remember vividly, some we remember as only flashes in our minds about experiences, but hopefully we're going to contribute those to you. So I thought I'd start by giving you a little bit of information about my first gig-going experience uh, in Melbourne. Uh, I finished school in 1996, so that gives you an indication of how old I am, and Prior to that, in 95, I was really fortunate that my father, who also had a passing interest in music, albeit blues and jazz, decided that it would be a fantastic idea if he took me to the ESPY one day to see um, my favourite band because I'd been bugging him. Every Wednesday, I'd diligently go down to the local record store and pick up our street press, particularly Beat, and uh, I'd look at the gig guide, and my favourite band at the time was Violetine. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with indie rock and roll in Melbourne in the 90s, it was very much of the, the jangle pop sort of uh, style, but with a, a bit heavier guitars. And, and my father took me down to the ESPY, and uh, I remember standing on the sticky carpets while he had a beer and I had a Diet Coke. Um, and being absolutely overawed by the, the sheer volume that was emanating off stage. And for three uh, young Melburnians, uh, their influence on one 15-year-old was extreme. And, and from that very moment on, uh, I set it as my goal to, to one day play at the SP. Unfortunately, that remained unfulfilled, but uh, certainly to be part of the scene and to, and to experience that off my own bat. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget those experiences while... Uh, standing at the Gershwin room. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And again, for myself growing up in that period, um, uh, uh, those a lot of those bands in that early 90s scene for me um, 
paved the way for who I am today. And I think in a world that we live in um, and with everything that goes on today, with gigs really are just a dime a dozen, the romanticism of those early shows that we grew up on is something that we'd really like to bring to you um, and hopefully that we can share the same experiences. There may even be some of you out there that were at that show and they go, shit, yeah, I remember that. That was amazing. Yeah, so so hopefully that's what we're, we're going to achieve and hopefully you guys really dig it. And um, as Jazz says, one of his obviously earliest experiences with the, with, with the great Melbourne band Viola team, um, I grew up on a very steady diet of a, of a company called Manic Ideas, presented a lot of all-ages shows that I'd go up to from the suburbs to the corner hotel. So a lot of my earliest memories of bands like The Meanies, Nursery Crimes, Spider Bait, No Comply, um, the list goes on and on. And for me, uh, as a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 15-year-old, that turned my world upside down. So going to school on a Monday morning, uh, certainly I wasn't discussing any more about hanging out at the local uh, pinball parlours and stuff like that. I was on the train every weekend. I owe a lot to my cousin Grant, who at the time was a lot older than me and introduced me to a lot of those great bands. And um, to this day, I've seen everyone from the Medes and Spiderbait to um, to huge international acts and festivals. And um, over the coming weeks, we'd like to, to talk about these, these gigs and these events and and the bands that have shaped who we are and hopefully you dig it. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned before, Jason, about perhaps you've experienced these gigs as well. Part of this is about piecing together our own memories and perhaps complementing what you've experienced and what we've experienced and, and, and in that way keeping a collective of actually what has experienced because uh, we all know that sometimes you know we have our own memories of these things and we'd really like to to keep a record of of what's actually happened in the Melbourne scene definitely so we thought we'd start it off by looking at each week going through a particular structure and perhaps looking at a particular band a particular venue and a particular gig and we thought today outside of that that we might start with something that was actually quite central to the Melbourne music scene and that was a particular store and that store was attached to a record label and that record label was a go-go records now for those of you who haven't experienced a go-go records in melbourne it's actually now defunct and it's currently sits it was just off elizabeth street or it was on elizabeth street and it's currently where uh captains of industry cafe is uh, upstairs it started off downstairs where flinders lane i think it's magic store yeah and i think yeah you probably had to go around flinders lane into it um but it was the, the hub of, of music in Melbourne City and it was the place for um, people to search out independent music, international music, imports. Bearing in mind this was the era before the internet, before mail order, before all of those sorts of things. So to find a store that was actually importing CDs was, you know, was, was an amazing experience to, to flick through their, their, um, their catalogue. But it was also a record label and as such, and as I said, they were responsible for bringing out bands such as Sonic Youth, bringing out records for them, and they were, were really seminal in starting up our, our Melbourne music scene. Absolutely. And again, what we like to do every week is, yeah, we're going to talk about a particular record or a gig or something that shaped us, and, and, and all go-go records, absolutely, as, mm. as a young kid, was something that initially shaped our love of, of live music and 
a large percentage of my record collection initially came from that record store. Mm-hmm. And again, like Charles said, they they introduced me to Mud Honey. Uh, they introduced me to the earliest waterfront releases like the Hard Ons mm-hmm. and um, Tumbleweed. And um, definitely to this day will go down as as a real absolute staple in my diet of getting up every weekend, jumping on the train, going into the city and flicking through all go-go records. So um, I know a lot of you out there probably did experience it and went up there and upstairs had great vinyl, downstairs Mm. had new release. And um, I was going to say, what are your memories of of the actual store? Well, yeah, I mean, I used to just... (laughs) Surprisingly enough, it might sound really stupid to some people, but it used to just have this really distinctive smell. And I used to just love the smell of the place. It was the smell of, of street press and vinyl and flyers. And um, it just had this amazing uh, a vibe to it and the music that, that they were always playing. And then I'd always recognise kids that I'd seen at other gigs. And it was a real meeting point uh, in Melbourne. And, um, you know... It, like I said, you'd you'd start off downstairs and you'd spend a good hour down there and then you'd go upstairs and spend another hour up there and there'd be so many records upstairs and then you'd go back downstairs and then you wouldn't know what to buy and then you'd go back upstairs and mm. you'd constantly battle in your own head what you wanted to buy and you'd have all your pocket money there and and um and you'd you'd always go back on the train, back out to the burbs, back home and with your records or, or demos or or, you know, your zines or whatever it was. Mm. You could even go there with no money and walk out with a bag full of, of magazines and, and street press. And um, they played a pivotal role, absolutely. And gigs were advertised there. So a lot of the gigs that we'll talk about were ones that you saw on the wall there. So. Yeah. I think that that smell that you spoke about was absolutely spot on. You know, as a testament to the importance of the event, of the store, I can place myself in it vividly and I can almost imagine the layout of the store it was a a little single fronted store downstairs and it had an upstairs as well downstairs was new releases and catalogues and then upstairs they had all the import cds and secondhand cds and when you first walked into the downstairs section they had a little seven inch rack and one of the seven inches that jason will probably talk about at some stage was uh, the avalanche's first seven inch and I, I vividly remember flicking through those seven inches. You had a catalogue from Jebediah, Murmur Records. You had all of the independents that were coming through. As, as I said, you had um, avalanches come through. And you'd go through and you'd flick through that rack and there would just be a litany of new music. Then you'd walk upstairs and, uh, as I said before, you know, in an era before the internet or before online shopping, to find import CDs was actually really quite tricky. You'd often hear about bands, but if they weren't released locally, uh, not only were they hard to get in terms of time, but actually financially they were incredibly hard to, to buy. You know, we were talking about singles which would retail locally for perhaps $5. You'd buy an import CD, it could be 15 to $20. And for a kid, that was, you know, extravagant. So, and for me, I had a, a big interest in, in British music at the time. So you, you'd spend a lot of time flicking through uh, import CDs and you'd spend a, a, an extraordinary amount of money keeping, you know, probably a go-go records afloat, but uh, also, you know, broadening your horizons. But it did lead you downstairs to where the 
the locally produced music was. I also remember vividly they had a, a record case. There, was, there is a connection between Agogo Records and Sonic Youth, and uh, they used to have that Sonic Youth guitar case that was upstairs. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those really strong memories that I think a lot of people in Melbourne can, can relate to. I wonder where that guitar case is now. I think Bruce Milne might have sold it on <laughs> eBay somewhere at yeah, some no, stage. Absolutely. And for, again, kids like us and growing up in the Burbs and, and going into the city and going into Wagogo, uh, there was just no other record stores out there yeah. like it. So um, that was when record stores were record stores. So um, it, it was an amazing time. So you'd be flicking through the records looking at these bands. You might have heard of them or you might have seen that another kid had the T-shirt on. And that was enough to make you want to buy it or be yeah. interested in it. Um, whereas these days, the kids, they don't really have, tend to have a lot of emotional attachment mm. to music. It's just about what I can download off my friend or what they can dump on a USB stick for me and I can dump onto my computer. And mm. At the time, it was more about, oh, that band's got really cool artwork or um, that band's playing with another band that I really dig, so I'm going to get that record or... This vinyl's bright green. I've never heard of the band, but it's only eight bucks, so I'm going to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that was that for me. That was massive. Yeah, you know, and so. I, I think you're right. You know, nowadays we can try every every piece of music before we buy. You know, we we can hear everything. Whereas um, when a go go, when I first started going to a go go, it was all about building up a relationship with the people behind the counter, and you generally knew most of them, if not by first name, you'd see them around at gigs. And the fantastic thing about that was that they got to know you too and, um, you know, you, you could often go up with a record and if they felt that you would actually like that record, they'd recommend it. And, um, you know, it was during that period that I probably bought more records without actually hearing them uh, just on their recommendation. But every one of them, without fail, came up Trump. So, you know, yeah, that was sure. a testament to them that they, they did know us and they they knew the scene and they knew what type of music to bring into melbourne and uh, you certainly don't have that relationship now you know going to your local jb or you know buying online and it was one of the real beauties of a go-go records was that y you knew everyone it was a scene and and they genuinely felt like or you've genuinely felt like they knew you and knew your musical tastes yep and it was great to be a part of and again it, you know, as I said at the time, I was 15 years old, so it gives you a bit of an idea of what was going on at the time in 1990 and <clears throat> being a kid before that in the 80s and the music that was going on there was so far removed from what was going on there. So, um, yeah, again, mm. uh, that's what Rock City is all about. Um, it's about Melbourne, it's about records, it's about gigs, mm. it's about our experiences and everything in between and um yeah i hope you enjoy it i hope you dig it stick with us because uh, there'll be some cool stuff to come